Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Your stool awaits. And Jim, it's all crazy martinis for conservatives today. And we start in the Sunshine State, where uh, politics are heating up for the 2022 cycle. Uh, Folks are looking at the governor's race. They're looking at the Senate race. And Ron DeSantis officially has... Uh, at least one Democrat of prominence in the race uh, to defeat him next year. Of course, they have to go through a primary process since there will almost inevitably be more than one candidate. But that first candidate in is Charlie Crist, the former Republican governor turned Republican, turned independent Senate candidate in 2010, uh, got beat by Marco Rubio uh, in the Senate race that year. Then he ran for governor as a Democrat against Rick Scott in 2014, uh, was competitive but lost, and then eventually won himself a House seat as a Democrat, where he's been pretty much toiling in anonymity ever since, if he's been toiling at all. So he wants a little more attention, wants his old job back. So his argument is that Ron DeSantis is more worried about his future than the future of Floridians says he's done a horrible job on COVID, which flies completely in the face of the data on how Florida has fared compared to the golden children of Gavin Newsom and Andrew Cuomo and so forth. So, Jim, I mean, the the knives are out for DeSantis all over the Democratic Party, but clearly that's going to be the message uh, from Charlie Crist in this campaign, as well as Val Demings. If she runs for governor, she might be running against Rubio. She put out a a promotional video yesterday, so she's clearly running for something. Uh, and then the agricultural commissioner, Nikki Freed, who is clearly the biggest uh, far-left bomb thrower uh, in statewide elected office in Florida, is likely to get into this thing as well. So uh, what do you make of uh, Charlie Crist reinventing himself one more time? You know, if you want to do the the old joke, uh, you know, like a bad penny, he always turns up. <laughs> uh, it, it fits because he's the color of a bad penny. Um, but what's more... You know, I was looking this up because you mentioned, yes, he's got, you know, looking, people don't realize just how long Charlie Crist has been in Florida politics. I had to check it up. Um, his first bid for office was in 1986, a state Senate seat in Pinellas County. So for perspective, I think I was in, let's see, I'll be 10 or 11, so fifth or sixth grade, so around there, you know. Now, he didn't get elected to office till 1992 when I was a senior in high school and uh, you know, for you, if you have any doubts about whether that was that long ago, that was my back, everyone. That's that's how old I'm feeling <laughs> these days. So Charlie Crist has been around politics for a really long time. And if you're Ron DeSantis, I mean, maybe he felt kind of reassured by this, because if, if you're going to run against somebody, it's pretty good to run against a guy who could not win the Republican Senate primary in 2010, lost to this kid named Marco Rubio that almost nobody had heard of, at least when that cycle had begun. Uh, he led, you know, ran as an independent that year, then lost that bid. Didn't, you know, then he said, okay, well, he's going to run for governor as a Democrat. And he does not succeed uh, in that. So he eventually ends up in the House of Representatives. He finds a fairly, uh, you know, success, a fairly easy um, district, uh, although apparently it's not a hugely Democratic district. It's kind of close. And, he, you know, his departure to the gubernatorial race does open up fairly low-hanging fruit for the Republicans to win that race. Um, but I guess it's a part of me that could see if you're Ron DeSantis, maybe you do want to run against Charlie Crist and say, oh, man, this is the guy, you know, everybody's figured out how to beat this guy. I can do this. 
He represents the past. He represents the old way of doing things. He represents what Floridians have said time and time again, at least in statewide races, they don't want this. Uh, and so you got to feel pretty good. And you also got to figure that, you know, maybe even Democrats are getting tired of, of nominating Charlie Chris. I just kind of marvel at how he just keeps coming back cycle after cycle, um, even after, you know, doing those kind of ridiculous law firm ads and, and, and all that kind of stuff. There's just relentless, all-consuming ambition here. He can't just go off and be happy in the House of Representatives. It seems pretty clearly that the House of Representatives, the House seat was kind of a a place for him to park himself until he could run again statewide. Greg, I don't have enormous amounts of fear that Floridians are going to elect Charlie Chris, the next governor, but I suppose stranger things have happened. And so, you know, he probably have a decent amount of fundraising and he's nationally known and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the fact that, you know, there's, there's this vaguely Terminator-esque determination that, you know, Charlie Crist, he can't be negotiated with. He can't be talked with. He just is always going to keep keep running cycle after cycle until he wins what he wants. And uh, that's probably going to be for the, the harm of the Democratic Party. But I just I get tired of having to look at this guy every two years. Yes, he uh, defeated Republican David Jolly for that seat in the 13th House District in uh, 2016. So apparently this is a seat where... Uh, Republicans who hate being Republicans uh, tend to flock because uh, David Jolly is pretty much out there bashing Republicans any chance he can get as well. And of course, Charlie Crist is predominantly orange. But Jim, the, the transformation politically shows he has true chameleon type tendencies here because, I mean, well, he wasn't exactly what you would call um, the most died in the wool conservative back when he was a Republican. Uh, he was he was conservative on mildly conservative, at least on, on most issues. And now he's as uh, mainstream uh, frightening left as you can get. So uh, the circumstances fit the priorities, I guess. You know, Greg, I'm just going to make one last kind of example. I guess maybe one of the reasons I feel exhausted about Charlie Crist running for governor again is that I'm not sure there's that much left to say. Uh, one of my all-time favorite pieces for National Review ran in early 2014. They allowed me to go with kind of a fiction for that kind of illustrates a point in which I, uh, the opening sentence is, in a development that stunned the Florida political scene and quantum physicists, the Charlie Crist from the year 2010 traveled forward in time <laughs> to campaign against the gubernatorial bid of Charlie Crist in 2014. Um, because Charlie Crist in 2010 was positioning himself as this conservative governor. By 2014, not only had he switched parties, he was running explicitly endorsing all these ideas that he had denounced four years earlier. Um, and the great irony that, that, you know, in this article that I had, uh, you know, so I point out like you know, the time travel concept is fiction, but everything else in that uh, uh, story was, you know, an accurate summary and accurate quotes of what things he had said about the various issues. The, the closing line of that article was amid flashes of light and intense wind, a second time portal opened and the Charlie Crist of 2018 appeared, denouncing Charlie Crist of 2014 for being too centrist and insufficiently progressive. So I nailed it, Greg. I actually forecast that he was going to go even further to the left. So uh, Charlie Crist believes in one clear principle, and it's that he should be governor. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Keep your eye on Val Demings, though. I don't know which office she's going to run for, but it's already pretty clear from the reaction to her uh, nonspecific promotional video yesterday that she will be one of the darlings of the media in the 2022 cycle. I don't know if she'll reach Beto status, uh, but there's going to be a lot of soft coverage of her for whatever race she runs for. All right, let's talk about our great sponsor today, Gabby, and let's save some money. Might as well do it in as many ways as possible, and you can do it 
on your car and homeowner's insurance. And we want to find the lowest rate for the best coverage, right? I know I do. So I put my policy to the test and turned to Gabby. You can do the same thing for free. And look, Gabby literally stands for get a better insurance. Now, getting better insurance with Gabby means a better price for the same insurance coverage you already have. Who knew something like this even existed? But they are the one true comparison platform with real rates. They give you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. And we're talking about companies like Progressive and Nationwide and Travelers, and it's all in one place. You just use your current insurance information to get started. And in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage that you currently have. And it's free to use. Now, Gabby customers save $961 per year on average, and they will never sell your information. So there's no more annoying spam or robocalls. Jim just mentioned like three or four fabulous reasons to use Gabby. A, it's free. B, they never sell your info. Uh, it's quick. It's so easy. You just go to the site. You uh, enter very simple information, most of which is probably already in your head. You don't even have to look it up. Then you uh, link to your insurance policy, and they'll find you the best rate for the same coverage. So you get quality coverage uh, at a great rate. Uh, it's quick, and it's free. I mean, what more could you possibly ask for? Put your policy to the test like I did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. Totally free to check. No obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. Gabby.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's move on to our second crazy martini now. And... Uh, Tony Fauci is striking again, uh, saying we're only in the, uh, what is it, the bottom of the sixth in terms of our response to the pandemic. I'm not sure how we got uh, that specific, but uh, the CDC, not to be outdone, Centers for Disease Control, putting out its list of guidance for summer camps, you know, camps that are largely outside for kids and counselors. Here are some of the restrictions. Everyone at the camp, including staff and every kid over the age of two, do two-year-olds go to summer camp? I don't know. Must wear masks at all times unless they are eating or swimming. They should wear two layers of masks, especially when social distancing is difficult, regardless of whether activities are indoors or outdoors. Campers should be placed in cohorts, and their interaction with people outside the cohort must be limited. There should be at least a three feet between campers of the same cohort and six feet between campers of different cohorts. Staff should keep six feet away from campers at all times, whether inside or outside. Distance should be maintained while eating, napping, or riding the bus. The CDC suggests seating kids in alternating rows. The use of physical objects that might be shared among kids, toys, art supplies, electronics should be limited wherever possible. And camps should not permit close contact sports and indoor sports and should require masks regardless. We know that the kids do do well even if they get COVID, but it's outdoors, it's in the sunshine, the numbers are going down. These people just simply don't want this to stop. Yeah, I'm looking at this and just kind of scratching my head because I remember thinking this last summer, right around this time, saying, well, okay, at least there'll be camps, kids will be outdoors, they'll be getting a lot of sunshine, there's lots of air circulation. Uh, you know, despite what that lunatic who dressed up as the Grim Reaper was saying down in Florida, you know, being outdoors and in sunshine is just about the safest thing you could do during this pandemic. The last thing you want to do is cancel all the summer caps camps and keep all the kids indoors. Uh, naturally, many places, including Authenticity Woods, canceled almost all of their summer camps, not quite all of them. Um, I, the idea of, you know, when you see the, the recommendation, not just wear masks, okay, I'm like, I, I don't, 
I'm not 100% sure that's necessary, but uh, fine. But the recommendation that they wear two layers of mask. Okay, now you're just messing with me. Now you're just trying <laughs> to come up with, you know, ridiculous ones. Um, I, I guess that's the, the first thing is like, if we figured out how to make education work in school for most kids here in Authenticity Woods, it's four days a week. You hear that listeners? It's quiet. It's quiet in my house. There are no kids running around. Um, you did, you know, if we can make this work in schools, I'm really not sure why it would be so much more difficult to do at summer camps because most classes are not indoor, are not outdoors. You know? uh, most classes do not have the air circulation you're going to get in most camp locations. Uh, I suppose some schools may have pools for swimming, but by and large, you're going to find a lot more of that at a summer camp. Uh, you know, this this prop this should be easier than reopening the schools. And yet somehow these CDC recommendations there, I do think it was kind of interesting that Fauci, who, who couldn't really give a terribly full-throated endorsement of these rules, said something along the lines of stay tuned or kind of suggest that this could be altered. Maybe, maybe he himself is not 100% on board with this. I don't know if that's reading too much into it. Um, now, as many people have pointed out, that, like, look, is there a risk to kids? Look, I'm not going to say there's no risk to kids, but the risk to kids is significantly small. Um, you know, as many people point out, most kids, will, more kids will drown in a given year than will have died of COVID-19. Um, you know, vaccines work where it sounds like we're on the verge of getting uh, vaccinations available for kids like tw uh, uh, 12 to 15. I think most states are now doing it as, as young as 16. You know, you add it all up, we're in pretty good shape. And oh, by the way, all the counselors should be able to be vaccinated. All the counselors and every other staff and, you know, janitors and, and anybody else who's going to be around the facility, they, they're all vaccinated. So we, we should be okay. We, we really should be in pretty good shape with just a little bit of uh, uh, common sense. And, I, you know, it's kind of interesting. New York Magazine does this interview with a whole bunch of health experts who call it cruel, irrational, and virtue signaling. These are not, um, uh, this is, you know, this is not quibbling words here. So it's really kind of infuriating. Uh, to see this, hopefully you see some adjustments to it, but it's May. I imagine a bunch of summer camps are going to start in late June. So there's not a heck of a lot of time to revise these sorts of things. I hope the kids have a good summer. They deserve one. Um, it's good to see they require, you know, they say masks are allowed to, you don't have to wear masks when you're swimming or when you're eating. So kids just spend a lot of time swimming and eating this, this summer. But uh, remember, don't go swimming for 30 minutes until after you finish eating. <laughs> the goalpost just keep moving all the time. Of course, it was the two weeks to flatten the curve, and then we had to get uh, the numbers further down, and then we had to wait for the vaccine, and then the adults had to get vaccinated, and now somehow the, the kids have to all get vaccinated, which means the school year next year could be disrupted in a number of places. Uh, and now we've got this for outdoor activities. I mean, it's just it's just never ending where the goal line or the goalposts or whatever metaphor you want to use uh, keeps moving to here. And my personal favorite of these, Jim, is that staff should keep away from campers six feet at all times. So if Bobby is beating the snot out of Timmy, all you can do is yell at him to stop because if you break that six feet radius. Hey, you uh, guys, hey, social distance, three feet apart, okay? <laughs> Don't throw punches, throw rocks. That's safer. It's like it's like the old Robin Williams thing you mentioned a, a few days ago. Stop hitting him or I'll tell you to stop hitting him again. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about something far more rational than that. And that's the deal you can get on great towels at MyPillow. Uh, I love the towels from MyPillow. Uh, they're super, super absorbent. Uh, they're very soft. Uh, they're big. I like that. And uh, it takes almost no time at all to, to dry off after the shower. So wrap yourself up in the soothing, soft feel of a MyPillow towel. And get this. Right now, the six-piece towel sets regularly $109.99 
now on sale for just $44.98 when you go to MyPillow.com and enter the code MARTINI. MyPillow towel sets are made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft without that lotion-y feel. They're made with cotton that is grown right here in the United States. They're available in a variety of colors. They come with a 60-day money-back guarantee, a one-year limited warranty, and each set includes two bath sheets, two hand towels, and one two-pack washcloth. So just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square, enter the promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. While you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow Premium pillows, and the new MySlippers. Get your MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $44.98, but you can only do that with our promo code MARTINI. So use it when you call 800-874-0104 or when you visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, the cable news, particularly uh, the lefty cable news, but really all over the board today, absolutely obsessed with Facebook's decision on whether to allow President Trump back onto the platform. And uh, ultimately, they decided to keep him off of it, but uh, they are going to uh, review things. And so uh, while it seems permanent, we don't know whether the policy... Well, it will change overall, and there could be a very meaningful, serious debate about free speech, what should be allowed on these platforms, what powers the platforms ought to have, uh, depending on various speech. I personally think uh, more speech is better than less speech, and that certainly applies to the former president of the United States. And the coverage is less about whether this is a good policy, it's just tabloidy type coverage about Trump because the media doesn't know what to do, I'm convinced, unless they've got a story about Trump. And, you know, the vast majority of them are looking for any reason uh, to to bash the guy. And so they're out there with almost like uh, waiting for a jury verdict, waiting for Facebook's decision here on Trump's Facebook status. And now it's going to consume uh, most of the media oxygen, it would appear, on some of these channels for at least the bulk of the day and maybe longer. So I hate to say this, but Greg, there really is quite a bit to unpack here. Uh, And I say this because, so first of all, you had the decision that came out today. I kind of feel like the arguments of, well, they're a private company. They have a right to let her. Okay. Nobody's really disputing that. Nobody's really, you know, disagreeing with that notion. But the problem is at some point, does a social media company become something equivalent to a public square? Does Facebook not allowing uh, anyone from you know Joe Schmo to a former president to use their their uh, their platform to use the thing that they remember they touted themselves as being open to the world. It's, you know we're talking about Facebook, but this pretty much applies to YouTube and Twitter and almost every other form of social media. When they launch themselves, they don't say we're the social media network for debate within certain parameters. <laughs> you're allowed to use our platform as long as we think your viewpoint is okay. No, they're, they're not going to like none of the town. They say we connect you to the world, right? So there's this little bit of disingenuousness in, in how they promoted themselves and how they saw their role and how they, their role has evolved over time. But maybe they didn't expect this. Maybe they genuinely didn't realize that bad people might want to use their platforms too. And they're scrambling to catch up. Fine. It's a complicated world. They made their decision today that they're not bringing Trump back, at least not anytime soon. Fine. They have that authority. But what's kind of a little interesting is that they set up this oversight board, right? Two odd stories about the oversight board. The first one is that uh, right here on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today, Facebook's secret rule book confounds penalized users. I think if you're a social media network and you want to have 
saying, look, there's certain, we, we allow a whole bunch of kind of speech, but there's certain kind of speeches that we either find completely inappropriate and it's just not what we set up our platform to enable. We're going to say, no, you can't do that. Fine. Just make it really clear and apply that consistently. Uh, now, obviously, we've all talked about the examples of the, you know, I think it was a European art museum where uh, there was a nudity in one of the paintings of the wall. So it was taken down because it has nudity and it's kind of, you know, ridiculous. I suspect artificial intelligence generated uh, bad responses and things like that. So that's, that's problem one is that you're not clear about it. But the second thing is they make their decision today and Facebook has this oversight board, which is designed to kind of wise, you know, lawyers and free speech advocates and all kinds of people to examine this. Here's their decision today. The board has upheld Facebook's decision on January 7th, 2021 to restrict then President Donald Trump's access to posting content on his Facebook page and Instagram account. However, it was not appropriate for Facebook to impose the indeterminate and standardless penalty of indefinite suspension. Facebook's normal penalties include removing the violating content, imposing a time-bound period of suspension, or permanently disabling the page and account. The board insists that Facebook review this matter to determine and justify a proportionate response that is consistent with the rules that are applied to other users of this platform. Facebook must complete this review in a matter within six months of the date of this decision. The board has also made policy recommendations for Facebook to implement in developing clear, necessary, and proportionate policies that promote public safety and respect freedom of expression. So they kind of came out and said, hey, um, uh, you know, you, you, this is as arbitrary and capricious as it seems to be. Now, we'll see what happens from Facebook in six months. I'm, I'm, you know, but it's one of those things like I kind of credit them for putting out the, uh, this critical response of their oversight board. But now you kind of, you're left scratching your head and you say, well, maybe we should have talked to the oversight board before we made this decision. What's the point of having an oversight board if you're going to ignore them? And we'll see what kind of response they get. Um, and it's always entirely possible that Facebook management will say, yeah, you know, go pound sand. You know, we've decided we don't want the president on this platform. We felt like he was completely out of line back in January 2021, and he's never coming back. I mean, if they want to do that, fine. They can, they're, they're free to do that. But they also, I think they understand they're going to take a significant hit in that there are a whole bunch of supporters of the president who will see it as uh, Facebook becoming, uh, treating the president unfairly. And, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're willing to take that hit, fine, go ahead and do with it. But don't do this little dance. We're like, well, maybe we'll bring you back, but maybe we won't. We're, we're going to review it longer. And, you know, this endless, um, it reminds me of, uh, you know, endless Friedman units to refer to uh, former New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman, who kept insisting the next six months in Iraq would determine the course of the country. And you could go back and check every six months. He said the next six months were the most important ones. I suspect that the Facebook will be reviewing Donald Trump and what to do with him for at least one more Friedman unit, Greg. Jim, never dull. Uh, talk to you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, please do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you haven't already. We're also very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Thank you so much. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And uh, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.